0: Uh, a thank you also to uh, all of those who cooked and baked uh, for our Oneg Shabbat tonight and tomorrow afternoon, and to Jill Weinstein for organizing all of that. Uh, today is also Alexandra's birthday. We'll sing happy birthday to you later, uh, but there's a very special cake for her that Susan Mendelson and Lazy Gourmet put together. And they will take a look. Yes, you have a question? It's a, cream cake. It's a whipping cream cake. <laughs> Why were they so mean to the cream that they had to whip the cream? Sorry, it's a family joke. Um, so we'll enjoy our own Shabbat, and we thank all of you. It's sponsored by our temple family. Um, so in addition to Alexander's Bat Mitzvah, uh, tonight is, is an important evening as well uh, for other reasons. We know very well just from recent events local and across Canada that the insidious nature of the BDS movement continues in spite of the heroic efforts of Rabbi Bregman and his staff at Hill LBC to twice defeat a BDS resolution on campus. We know even tonight in our city Roger Waters who I used to listen to with laser light shows uh, is speaking out in favor of the BDS movement here in our city that, that Simon Fraser University has a conference coming up on the issue. We know of course what happened at McGill this past week and if you don't it's all over social media. As Jewish students, Jewish students in leadership are being ostracized and kicked out of leadership positions because they are Jewish. We know the importance of preparing our students and ourselves for this very real challenge to the legitimacy of the state of Israel and to the safety and prominence of Jews around the world and in Israel. We take it very seriously here, I know, in our community, and particularly at Temple Shalom. Our entire grade 11 and 12 high school curriculum is dedicated to preparing our students for life on campus and for a relationship with Israel that is authentic, that is real, that is complex, and that is informed about multiple narratives, empowering them to find their way and to find their voice. So tonight we are truly honored and privileged to welcome uh, a speaker this evening that I won't introduce but will be introduced to you so I want to introduce the group that brought our speaker this evening. Um, the group is Stand With Us. Growing up as a, or not growing up I should say, but beginning my rabbinic career in Los Angeles where Stand With Us has its origins. To know that Stand With Us has now become a worldwide organization, a North American organization, and its presence in Canada is so important. It's my pleasure to welcome Meryl Cates, the director of Stand With Us Canada, to introduce our speakers this evening.
1: Shabbat shalom, everyone. Shabbat shalom. Thank you so much, Rabbi Moskowitz. And thank you, Cantor and Alexandra, for sharing your very special time with us, mazel what you just said is uh, really heartening to me. I'm the director of Stand With Us Canada. We launched Stand With Us in Canada four years ago because there was such a critical need to educate our young people and support Israel on campuses. Uh, I'm happy to hear that your grade 11 classes are learning how to do that when they reach campuses. It's pretty frightening you'll hear from our high school coordinator in a moment to arrive on campus and see the kind of hate and hateful propaganda that's directed at israel and not have the tools to be able to stand up and have a conversation and have a dialogue about israel not a perfect country um, but a normal country and in the world right now it's not being treated as a normal country So. We bring programs to campuses across the country that talk about Israel's accomplishments, Israel's achievements, and we prepare our young people to be able to have a conversation about the real tapestry of Israel. And you're about to meet a very incredible young man who's a wonderful representative of that tapestry. Israel, as you know, in this room, I think you do know, that Israel's 20% Arab. But when we arrive, our young people arrive on campuses, what they find is that there's been so much misinformation and so many lies that they just believe that it's directed at them. They're marginalized and isolated. And if you did hear anything about McGill this year, uh Jewish students have been denied leadership in the student union there because of only one reason, because they're Jewish. So we offer education programs, uh booklets, which I'm happy to share with you at, at another time. I'll be in touch with Rabbi Moskowitz and our high school coordinator will be back in Vancouver to m- meet with you. Uh there is one bright light and that is that when our students are educated and work together with Hillel and other organizations on campus with the correct resources they beat BDS. We were in Winnipeg to launch a chapter just a couple of days ago and the vote came up to uh, boycott Israel on campus and we defeated the vote. We defeated the BDS motion because the students mobilized and they had enough knowledge to be able to mobilize their peers to to defeat the motion. That's what we need to do. We we can't let everyone graduate as they have over the past several years. Uh, looking at a country that's being boycotted. So I'd like to introduce Chanel Jacobs, who's our high school coordinator. And thank you so much.
2: Hi, everyone. Thanks for having us tonight. My name is Chanel Jacobs, and I'm the high school coordinator for Stand With Us Canada. Um, A lot of people at Stand With Us, a lot of the people who work for us, we all have a story. And we have a reason why we do what we do. Um, On campus, I went to a university in Ontario. And I remember walking in the halls and seeing Israel Apartheid Week and Israel Hate Week and things that I had never seen going into high school. And I didn't know how to respond to it, but I tried because there had to have been a voice for Israel. And unfortunately, on campus, I was the only voice for Israel. I fought 100 other students for Israel's cause, and I single-handedly defeated BDS. So with this being said, (laughs) um, I decided to put law school on hold for a bit, and join Stand with us Canada so that high school students, before they get to university, they are prepared, and they know what they're getting themselves into. And I actually work with a, f- a few students in Vancouver, and they are so inspired and passionate. And you guys do a very well job of inspiring your, your youth to be proactive for Israel. I have no issues with, with my interns here, because they are very, very, very intelligent and passionate. Um, and a lot of what they get from me is the education. And with that being said, education is the roadmap to peace. Um, our next speaker, who's going to come up now, um, is Yahya Mahamid. He's is from Israel. Uh, He grew up not having the proper education to understand what is the conflict really and really, really had a one-sided opinion of of Israel and um, the conflict. But with education and with following what is the truth, he has changed his perspective and I'll let him take it away from here. So thank you for having us tonight once again.
3: Good evening, everybody. Thank you for having us. Uh, I didn't get the chance to speak with everybody, uh, but uh, often I'm asked, how do you pronounce your name? My name is Yahya Zakaria Ahmad Khavazna Hamid. You could call me Johnny. <laughs> uh, I want to extend a very, very uh, warm thank you to Alexandra. and tov. Alf mabruk, which means a 1,000 congratulations in Arabic. That is to you tonight. Thank you for having us tonight. Um, I'm here to share with you a sequence of events that pretty much led to this moment. Uh, I grew up in Israel, Israeli citizen, born in, Af, in the city of Afula up north. But where I grew up is a very special place because it's called Umm al Anybody heard of the name? A couple of people, good. Uh, umm al-Fahm is a very special place because not only that, if you come to my town, you'll eat the best hummus in your life, <laughs> but... Uh, that town is run by people who call themselves the Islamic Movement. Unfortunately, to give you a perspective of though who those people are, they were labeled as a terrorist organization by the state of Israel in 2015 because of their fanatic acts and open support of terrorism. That is where I grew up. I grew up being told that I'm going to be treated differently because I'm an Arab, that I'm going to be treated differently by Jewish individuals, by the state of Israel, by anybody outside of my community. And that is what I grew up thinking. I remember vividly a post that I wrote in 2011 after seeing a, a four-second video of three IDF soldiers pushing a Palestinian woman into a jeep. And I wrote, this is what's really Israel look like, attacking old, women, old men and women. Wow, everyone wants, says that Israel wants peace. There is no peace with Israel. Israel is hell and always will be. That is what I thought in 2011 because of simply where I grew up and the environment that I was being brought up into. Because for, to give it a perspective, I was waking up in the morning, turning on the television only to hear Al Jazeera, going to hang out with my friends only to hear about politics, going to the mosque only to hear about the recent political decisions that were made. Growing up there was a big challenge, but I didn't realize that it was a challenge until I actually got out in my high school years. Anybody here has been to an Arab town in Israel? Can you recall the name? (laughs) Amul Fakhem Nice So my city like many other Arab towns in Israel sometimes our towns are a bit underdeveloped so finding jobs and job opportunities is a bit challenging So whenever I found myself in my high school years looking for a job I found a job in Tel Aviv which is two hours away from my town I really enjoyed the bus rides No But. I remember very vividly on that very specific moment, my first day on the job, I wake up to myself at 6 a.m. in the morning at the back of an Egged bus headed to Tel Aviv. And I think to myself, I'm very nervous. Why? Because I don't speak Hebrew. I'm very nervous because of the stuff that I was being told b- b- growing up. And I have no idea what I'm going to be doing in this hotel. I've never seen the hotel. I get the first day I meet my Jewish coworkers, my Jewish manager, everything was amazing. The first day was a big success. I didn't know how to feel about it because I remember going back home on the bus, I was thinking to myself, did I just make my first Jewish friends? Because that idea was so foreign to me, living in a place like that. On the very first week, something very, very special happened. It was my first shock, so to speak, it was just before Sukkot. I just finished a 12-hour shift in the hotel. I was very, very tired. And I'm waiting for my bus only to get approached by a person who works for Chabad. And as you can imagine, the first question was, did I put tefillin in the morning? (laughs) Very dedicated. I love their dedication. (laughs) But before I could answer the question, he starts telling me how important it is to shake the lulav and to do the blessings and everything, and I have a big smile on my face. I wait for him to finish, and I say, I'm sorry to waste your time, but I'm not Jewish. What he said to me remained with me until today. He said that it doesn't matter if you're Jewish or not. What really matters is that you're a good person. With those very specific words, very simple, they shattered, they shook the world that I came came from, that I thought that it's the truth. And I remember going back home, I was thinking to myself, digesting what just happened. And I think for a split moment and I say to myself, maybe I should reconsider everything that I was taught about Israel and about the Jewish people. And from that moment, I worked in the hotel for a period of a year. And in that year, the more conversations I have, the more connections I built, the more I realized that it's not a black-and-white picture that I had in my mind before. That it's so complicated. That I live in a very normal country. Life was great until June of 2014. I had a day off from the hotel. And I wake up to the news of the kidnapping of Iyad Ghilad and Naftali. May their memory be a blessing. I hear the news, and then I instantly go on social media to hear more about it. And I click on Facebook, log into Facebook, to see a picture of the three boys, their ages, their names. While scrolling, I see a a video of Naftali's mother crying. And at that very specific moment, I stop. And I think to myself, I get rushed with emotions. And I think to myself, somebody has to stand up and condemn this because we can't stay silent about this. I was thinking to myself, looking at the picture of the boys, today it's, it's those three guys. Tomorrow it could be one of my Jewish friends that have made it at the hotel, or even, even worse, it could be me, because we're, because we're all Israelis in their eyes. I found a campaign called Bring Back Our Boys. And the way to participate is you take a picture with the flag of your country, or the flag of Israel, and you send it to the campaign page. And so I did. took a picture with an Israeli flag, and I sent it to the campaign. And I went to see my grandmother. She made potato kugel. (laughs) I went to see my grandmother. Little did I know what would happen after. I get a phone call two hours later from a blocked number. I answer it only to hear the following words. Yahya, I highly recommend you go to the police. I say, why? Who, who is this? Who, who are you calling me from a blocked number telling me this? What's going on? He, the guy says, I'm the owner of a coffee shop in Umm al Fahim, my hometown, and everybody's speaking about you. And they're being really serious. Check your phone. It hangs up. I look at my phone and I see that I have 400 notifications on my phone. And let me tell you, if you have that number, it's either really, really good or really, really bad. I log onto Facebook only to see that the picture that I've taken is being circled all over the Jewish media, the Arab media. And before I could f- decide what to think about it, I saw that it's being circled in media in my town. I click only to see that I'm being called a traitor and a spy by my own community. And I'm thinking to myself, what did a 17-year-old boy do to deserve all of his hatred? But before I could come to the conclusion, I saw comments that made me realize that my life is in danger. And I decided to go to the police. And on my way to the police station, I kept asking myself the very, very simple question. What did I do wrong? And until this day, until this moment, I can't answer that question. Six people went, uh, were, were arrested, four from my own town and two from East Jerusalem, who made some serious comments. My fam- Some of my family members stopped talking to me, friends stopped talking to me. I had to quit my uh, job because I couldn't walk on the streets, missed my graduation. It was a very hard time. I locked myself in my room for two months. But something changed after two months. I get a message from Stand With Us. They said, we've heard about what happened with you. Would you like to volunteer? I didn't know anything about Stand With Us. I didn't know what was going on outside of Israel's borders. And then I saw that they're doing outreach in Arabic. Now, so to speak, because I was on both sides, and I understand how much education is needed, because when, I, when we say at Stand With Us that education is the road to peace, for me, they're not only words. For me, it's the reason of who I am today, because without education, I wouldn't be standing here in front of you today, to, tonight. So I started volunteering, and after a year, I got the position of a Stand With Us educator. This year was very special. I participated in many delegations. One was to South Africa. Anybody has been to South Africa? A few people. Let me start by saying that South Africa is a very good destination for a safari. But I found myself in a very different kind of safari. I was on, a, on, on Johannesburg in Johannesburg on, on Wit's campus during Israel Awareness Week, as I like to call it. On the very first day, the Stand With Us delegation the Jewish students on campus, we were physically attacked by the BDS. And in South Africa, it's not over like over here in Canada, there is no security, little to no. No police on campus. The summary of that week was the following. On the very last day of that week, it was very hard, start working at 6 a.m. in the morning until 6 p.m., the BDS didn't even show up. They raised the white flag and went back home. Because during this week, everything that we would do would anger them because we're showing the truth. We're pushing for peace and coexistence. And they'd get more physical and more violent with us. And your average everyday student that can't point out where Israel is on the map is seeing this. So we were gaining more and more support. And on the very last day, they decided not to show up because they simply do not care. After that, I had a meeting with the leader of the Jewish students. And he said, he's been in the university for three years now. And every time on that week, the students walk onto campus, take off their kippah, get to class, and then put their kippah back on. On that week when we were there, every single Jewish student was with us, handing out stand with us materials, wearing our campaign shirt, and helping educating others about Israel. We have seen major, major success over there. And hopefully we're going to do it next year. It's really important to find common grounds between people. Because I can guarantee you that talking to your taxi driver about how Israel is automating cars for self-driving isn't a very interesting topic for him. And that is what we've seen in South Africa, where people are very interested in hearing about what they are interested in. That's why we saw great success. Now, I'm often asked a couple of questions when I introduced myself. As a Muslim, Zionist, as an Israeli, Arab, or just as an Israeli or just as a Zionist, it intrigues some questions. But I believe why is the most important question. Why would a 17-year-old boy put his life on the line and endanger his family and live a life where I have to look over my shoulder? Why? Why would I do that? Because I believe. Because sometimes whenever we're speaking about Israel, whenever we're standing up for Israel, we kind of just zoom in on Israel with the little Gaza Strip on the bottom. But sometimes we have to zoom out. Where Israel, this little country in the Middle East that stands for democracy, freedom, and human rights, those three basic values are not very welcomed in the Middle East. That is what we're standing up for. And now, educating others for Israel isn't an easy task. Sometimes we forget that, that whenever you're standing up, speaking about Israel, not only that you're representing a country of 8 million people, but you're representing 14 million Jews around the world. It's not an easy task, but it must be be done. Now, sometimes, to be honest, I'm writing emails at 3 a.m. in the morning. I can barely grasp the change that I'm making in the world. And I ask myself, why am I doing this? And I lose hope. But for a split second, I remember what my mother told me growing up. She said, an means whoever who is silent about what's right is a speechless devil. And that instantly picks me back up. Because we see that change is needed in this world. On the campus, the reality... And sometimes we get the chance to change this, change something in this world. And we say, we don't have time. I don't have time. I've got to be with my kids. i got to go to school. i got to do this. i got to do that. My job is keeping me busy. And we just chug it to the next person. And the next person does the same. It's a never-ending never circle. And nobody does anything about it. So it stays the same. So it's very, very important to do something when you see that change is needed. Change comes in many forms. I believe that education is the most essential one. You can build up on it. But it's very important to know what we're standing up for. I'll recall my, my moment with, that, uh, with the rabbi that approached me. He started his conversation with shalom, a very simple word that we say every day. And he ended it with that sentence, it doesn't matter if you're Jewish, what really matters is that you're a good person. Maybe with your next shalom, you'll be influencing another person like me. Thank you.